Hello, this is David Stewart from Your Worst Nightmare. You're listening to 1590 WCGO, Chicago's Smart Talk. The Mike Nobuck Show starts in 3, 2, 1. I just don't understand, said Slug sadly to himself one day. Why nobody loves a slug. I don't smell nasty. I don't make a noise. I'm well-mannered and I'm very attractive, even though I do say it myself. Just then, a ladybird landed right in front of him. Oh, hello, slug. It's you, is it? Of course it's me. And I can't think why you're not delighted to see me. It must be because you're so slimy. Live from a cul-de-sac somewhere in Evanston, Illinois, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. 20 years and counting as Chicago's go-to deep green gardening and environment program. Heard every Sunday morning on Chicago's Smart Talk. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. Good planets are in the main. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome. At 847. A new secure line has been opened for communication. 877 711 5611. Now back to American Radio Broadcast. On Facebook and Instagram at The Mike Novak Show and at Mike Now on Twitter. And here they are. She's lean and he's green. Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. Good planets are in the And good morning. Welcome to the show. We're uh, almost set up. Can you give us just a couple of seconds here? We'll uh, we'll have everything in order. I was just thinking about that. We'll be as, back to you in a minute. As we were putting everything together here, I'm thinking, now how many people come into their jobs and they don't just sort of ease into them, you know? There are some jobs you come in and you, you set the pencil on the side and... And the you get your computer open, and you get, get your, your coffee. coffee, and you kind of see, let's check the email. Not here. Not here. When we follow Mike Jackson, it's six minutes of um, heck in a handbag, all right? <laughs> I think we set a new record today. Uh, I think so, too, because we got to get everything and go. And uh, we're going to launch right into our first guest as well, and that's the way it works. I'll set up my computer later, okay, because I'm very excited to have with us today Lee Reich, who's the ever-curious gardener. Uh, In fact, that's the uh, title of his new book, The Ever-Curious Gardener, Using a Little Natural Science for a Much Better Garden. And if there's one thing that we like on the show, it's... All right, we we bring that in as much as we can. Lee, good morning. Good morning. How are you today? Hot. Yeah, so you are too. Okay, tell folks where you are and uh, what kind of temps are you expecting today? I'm in New York's Hudson Valley. 
It's a couple hours north of New York City, an hour south of Albany, and it's supposed to be about 100. Yep. We're, we're, the stuff we've had the last two days is coming your way. We've got one, right. we've got one more day of uh, a heat wave here. Um, and then it uh, the storms come rolling in, which is also, you know, you've got the heat, which is problematic if you're talking about plants and people, too. Uh, you've got the heat and then you've got the storms uh, and all of it is stuff that if you're a gardener, you're watching with a wary eye to make sure that uh, everything survives. Um, but before we get, we get going, uh, and we'll have just a couple of minutes here, Lee, and then we'll we'll get into the substance of our conversation. I need to uh, give you a shout out because you are a guy who who changed my life. There are there are a few books that you. Oh. <laughs> well, I mean, in the garden, okay, not necessarily in other okay. ways. So. <laughs> Set a direction for yeah, you in the garden. Exactly. I'm that was sorry. A big responsibility previously. <laughs> Didn't mean to scare you there, dude. Uh, <laughs> but uh, back when uh, I don't I don't even know if you remember because I'm sure you do thousands of interviews. But I interviewed you at, when I was at WGN Radio, and. Um, you had just uh, published Wheatless Gardening, and it was an eye-opener for me because it, it – it, and it was right up my alley. You were, you were saying things that I really wanted to hear that I hadn't heard before, and it was kind of heretical, wasn't it? it you, were, you were practicing a, yeah. bit, a bit of heresy, and, and those are sometimes the best books. There are a few of them out there, but yours uh, was heresy. Can you, and maybe in about a minute, explain why this was heretical? Well, what I the title of the book was Weedless Gardening, or is it's still it's still selling quite well. <clears throat> so it's Weedless Gardening, and the main point in the book was that uh, when it was a four part system for controlling weeds, but the when the key elements or the key element in the system was to never till the garden. And uh, this is something I'd read about, and uh, and the reason not to till the garden is because buried within every soil are many many weed seeds that stay dormant. And they're just waiting for some light to come alive. And when you till the soil, you expose them to light, and then they sprout. So, it's, so it makes for a lot more weeds. And the funny part is when I started doing this, uh, this was about 30 years ago, <clears throat> I had so few weeds in my garden that I thought there was something maybe wrong with my soil. But I'm used to it now. So I, I know that <laughs> nothing's wrong with my soil. And, and I haven't practiced this system for 30 years, and it's quite successful. It really is. And uh, I I became a fan, and I have been telling people about it now for almost 20 years. So we'll have more about that from Lee Reich, the ever-curious gardener. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. From boat to doorstep. You can have the best in premium and sustainable Alaskan seafood right here in the Midwest. Sitka Salmon Shares is an Alaskan community-supported fishery, or CSF, comprised of small boat family fishermen from southeast Alaska. They're supported by 4,000 CSF members, and you can be one, too. Sign up at SitkaSalmonShares.com to receive fresh Alaska salmon, whitefish, and more in shares ranging from three to nine months. Use promo code MikeNovak18 for $25 off. Go to SitkaSalmonShares.com. The folks at the Midwest Pond and Koi Society want you to show up in their backyards. Well, you have to sign up, and there's a small fee, but you can see some of the best gardens, ponds, and koi in Chicagoland on July 21st, 22nd, 28th, and 29th on the annual Garden and Pond Tour. It's self-guided, and you can go on any day or on all of them. Tour maps at mpks.org and at garden centers and businesses throughout the region. That's mpks.org. 
Now's the time to sign up for one of McHenry County's premier sustainability events. If your business offers products or services that are eco-friendly, healthy, locally produced, or energy efficient, McHenry County College wants you to join them as an exhibitor at its 11th annual Green Living Expo. The event takes place November 3rd, but registration for vendor and artist space is open now. This year's expo will be bigger than ever. The popular Artist Walk returns, featuring sustainable artwork, jewelry, and decorative items. And if your business offers eco-friendly holiday gifts, being a vendor is the perfect head start to the season. Last year's event attracted more than 1,100 visitors. Mike and I were there, and we know the expo is a fun way to interact with McHenry County's green community. Register today for the McHenry County College Green Living Expo. Call 815-479-7765 or email sustainability at mchenry.edu. What is this place? You're in uncharted territory. What do you mean? Where are we? I don't know if you've heard this. I don't know what it is. Tell us your name, please. 1590. WCGO Chicago. It's important that you get the blood flowing about 9.15 Central Time. Welcome, everybody, to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're very pleased to have on the phone this morning Lee Reich, and that's how you pronounce pronounce it. I got it right while we were on the break. Um, And he's written a new book called The Ever-Curious Gardener, Using a Little Natural Science for a Much Better Garden. And just to wrap up what we were talking about before we came to the break, Lee, uh, the heresy that you practiced 20 years ago, which everybody is picking up on or has picked up. Uh, but it's a, it's amazing how many people don't know about that. And and basically, I, I ran with it. I took your book. I uh, told people you, they needed to pick up a copy. I told them in Garden Talks. Uh, just, you know, put stuff down on top of, you know, put, put your compost down on top of your garden and walk away. Okay. And you're going to do a lot better than you are, uh, double digging. I actually asked a guy, uh, well, I asked a, a, a group of people recently, I said, okay, can I see a show of hands? Anybody in the room ever double dug a garden? And which was, uh, you know, when I first was getting started in this, you could read that in the books all the time about double digging. And some folks said, oh, that's the only way you're going to get the, the soil friable and mix it up. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and this guy raised his hand. He said, yeah, I did. I said, I'm so sorry. And I gave him a prize because I said, you know, for all your pain uh, in doing that, you, you deserve something because that's really not the way to go. And, and as you explained, Lee, uh, basically most of the activity in the soil happens in the top couple of inches, right? Yes. The root, there's most root activity. There's most oxygen. There's most biological activity. And uh, I, I also, when I give talks, I often ask people uh, how many people have double dug. And then uh, when I tell them about, you know, that you don't have to dig. And I do admit that one thing about digging, and surely about double digging, is it gives you a good sense of accomplishment and maybe even a little righteousness. So I always suggest <laughs> people to make a two-by-two-foot two by two square area, and that'll be their digging area, and they could dig it to their heart's content. And don't dig the rest of the garden, mm-hmm. and then um, and then they'll have to come back and weed it. Of course, yeah, so just get it out of their system and waking up all those weed seeds. Well, well, maybe they need aerobic activity. Maybe that's what they're looking for. <laughs> uh, I don't. I, right. I, 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 
I don't know, but it's it's rototilling is in the same ballpark, and there are people who, as I explain, um, use rototilling as a cult. It's almost a religion that they go out twice a year and they're going to rototill once in the spring and once in the fall. And it's there's no particular reason they do it. It's just they think that's what they're supposed to do. And I say, you know, get rid of your rototiller. Just you know, put it on eBay or whatever you need and um, and go the Lee Reich way. And, uh, and you're going to be a lot happier. Um, and you're not going to... Yeah, well, well, I, I actually owned a, a very good rototiller up to about 30 years ago. And... Uh, and then I stopped using it. I would go along the outside of my garden just to keep weeds down. And then I decided that was sort of silly to just have all that space just mm-hmm. tilled all the time. So then I started planting the outside, <laughs> and, and then I got rid of the rototiller. So there you go. That's, that was uh, my introduction to Lee Reich in, in a nutshell. Uh, and since then, you've written a number of other books. Uh, you, you have a passion for fruit, so several of your books have been about fruit. But the new one... The ever curious gardener using a little natural science for a much better garden. Here's here was my impression uh, of the book. It was as if you you, you grab somebody and said, "Hey, let's go out in my garden uh, for a little bit," and you're wandering through it and you go, "Oh, hey, look! Here's my pear tree. Let me tell you a little something about pruning pears. It's kind of interesting." You'll, yeah, you'll, let me tell you a story about this portion of my garden. Yeah, yeah. Here's you'll what find, I learned there. Oh, look at there's powdery mildew. Let's talk about powdery mildew for a second. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I like that take on the book. <laughs> well, it, it kind of felt that way to me, and I, you know, obviously, when you're writing a book, it's it, it's not the same thing. Uh, but that, but it's friendly. Yeah, it is. It's it's very engaging, and and you know, and as I wrote on my blog, and you can find that at mikenovak.net, m-i-k-e-n-o-w-a-k.net. Um, it's not a how-to book, although you'll get a lot of great tips in it. So you're not going to go through an order and say, oh, this is how I do this and this is how I do this, although you will learn a lot about how to doing things. But that wasn't the point of the book, I assume, Lee. I was trying to make it where uh, it doesn't go through like a whole thing. Here's how they prune a pair. You start here and then mm-hmm. you do that and that follow this, these steps. It was mostly like taking different scientific concepts that I thought uh, had a practical application. So I would describe the concept. You know, might be on. Uh, well, there's one one section that's particularly applicable to pears is uh, bending branches. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You get some interesting physiological responses to bending branches. One of them, a very positive one, is you get more fruit. And uh, <clears throat> so first, I describe how you know what what's going on in the plant, and then I then I always like to make for each each concept that I I like to here's a practical application. You go out in the garden, you do this. And here's what you probably will happen. So then I describe, you know, uh, why and how you, you know, for instance, bend branches of fruit tree, fruit trees to either uh, uh, make the branch grow more, or grow less, or make it more fruitful or less fruitful. And so you get to eat. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, you have to have fruits of your labor, haha, so to speak. Thank you. Literally, uh, yeah. Yeah. But um, but I will say. To most people, pruning anything is a huge mystery. It's mm-hmm. it's a scary thing. I say it's part art, part science, part magic. And well, well, let, well, I'll let you in on a little secret. Even to people who studied it, and I wrote a whole book called the Pruning Book. There is definitely a lot of mystery still involved. 
I'm glad to hear that because I think it terrifies most people, and they do the the whole. The only way that most people prune is to nip and tuck around the edges, as you know, and and they get their witch's brooms, which you explain in your book what right. a what a witch's broom is. Uh, but unfortunately, they don't get the effect they desire because they don't know how to prune. So, I I would advise them to pick up your book on pruning. Um, uh, or another book on pruning and learn. There's a couple of simple tips about how to do it that will make you a better pruner, even if you don't know all of the science. And as Lee just indicated, uh, not everybody seems to understand all of the science. Um, so, uh, but... yeah, it's just a few, a few, yeah, a few basic things. Uh, if you know it, it can really improve of how plants are going to respond to pruning. Uh, that can go a long way to making pruning a lot better so demystify a little bit in in just a couple of minutes pruning fruit trees can you can you do that for us okay yeah well first of all one thing about pruning is it's very important to know why you are pruning and uh, for fruit trees the reasons are very specific you know some plants if you have a maple tree for instance it might take some pruning in its early years to just make sure it's got a good structure so the limbs are uh, well attached and aren't going to break off. But uh, uh, and then you pretty much do very little pruning. But with fruit trees, they do need regular pruning because you each fruit tree has a certain uh, well. First of all, at a certain age, when a fruit tree is young, <clears throat> you're pruning to basically uh, get it to fill its allotted space with branches that are spaced out nicely so that they can get a lot of sunlight and good air circulation for good production because you need a lot of sunlight for, uh, for uh, photosynthesis to make fruits. That takes a lot of energy, mm-hmm. and the energy comes from photosynthesis. <clears throat> so that's one reason to prune a young tree, and you want branches to be also uh, arranged that they, they're strong, branches at wide angles. They come out at wide angles are strong, more strongly attached than at narrow angles. And then when a tree is mature, you want to prune it. Oh, and the other thing about uh, very important in pruning a young tree is you want to prune it as little as possible, fulfilling the previous uh, requirements. Because the more you prune it, you stimulate new growth that's sort of lush and vegetative, and is, you don't want it, and that would delay fruiting. So you want it also to fruit as soon as possible. And uh-huh. then when a tree is mature, uh, or once it starts bearing, you want to prune it to keep light and air in amongst the branches. You want to prune it to keep production up. You want to prune it to... Uh, to make it so that it doesn't overbear, because if it overbears, it'll have a lighter crop the next year. So basically, you, there's only two types of pruning cuts that you do. You do either a cut where you shorten a branch, and this is called a heading cut, and and what that does, it increases branching, which you might want in some places. And uh, the other type of cut is called a thinning cut, where you cut off a branch totally, and this just opens up a space, so if the place of, uh, in the tree is congested, then... Uh, this will open it up and it won't cause regrowth. And, I, and, <clears throat> and then I think those two... Oh, go, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead, and then I'll finish. Oh, so And those those two cuts combined with branch bending, which, as I said, it's very important if you if one part of the tree is growing too fast. Like, uh, typically, a lot of trees are, uh, fruit trees are pruned to what's called a central leader shape, which is sort of like a Christmas tree. But if one of those side branches starts bending upward, and trying to uh, compete with the, with the main branch to become top dog, you don't want that to happen. You could prune it off, 
but any pruning also uh, dwarfs a tree to some degree. So if you have a young tree, you don't you want to prune it as little as possible, as I said. So instead of doing that, you can actually bend the branch down towards the horizontal, and physically that changes the hormones within the branch to slow down growth. And at the same time as it slows growth, it also increases its uh, tendency to bear fruit. So some trees, like pear trees, uh, take a while to begin fruiting, and they also have a very upright growth habit. So as the, as you're training them, if you bend the branches down, I, if you look at my trees, they look like giant spider webs in them <laughs> sometimes because I have all these strings tied to the branches, pulling them down to uh, not too sharp an angle, not too horizontal an angle, or then they won't grow at all, or they'll send up water sprouts, but, you know, a reasonably uh, near horizontal position. So I have all that. But another way people do it, sometimes people hang weights on the trees, all sorts of ways to bend the branches down. But it makes for a good structure, makes for uh, earlier fruiting, and, and keeps that top dog, central leader, top dog. Uh, and, and, and something that uh, you alluded to just now uh, and that I found fascinating, and part of the science behind this is, and I didn't realize this, and it makes perfect sense, is that every time you prune a tree, you take a little energy out of it. I mean, uh, you, one of the things you say is, yeah, you're going to get uh, a, a, a new growth that's going to come out. It's going to respond to the pruning. But at some level, uh, there's, a, I guess you would say, a net loss of energy when you prune something. Would, would you agree with that, Lee? Oh, yeah, because that's what people, you know, people often say, if, uh, and this could, doesn't have to be a fruit tree, so people often plant uh uh, shrubs or trees near a house, and then they get too big, so they want to say it's blocking a window, mm-hmm. so they want to uh, you know prevent that. So what they do is they cut back. The, oh, this is actually different. I'm on a different topic. When I said a young tree, forget what I just said. <laughs> the, <laughs> okay. Erase, uh, erase. <laughs> that, that was another one of my pet peeves about pruning. But uh, no, no. Say with it with a young fruit tree. I said one thing is you want to fill whatever space you want to take up as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. So any pruning you do does, as you said, take away energy from the plant. So even though you get a response, like if you do a heading cut, which I mentioned, which is just shortening a branch, you'll get all this regrowth right beneath that heading cut. Mm-hmm. But that's a local response. Ah. So even though you get that local response, scientists have actually measured the total growth on a plant, you know, from pruning and not pruning. And the total growth of the plant will be less, even though locally right there there will be regrowth. So on a young tree that you want it to fill its allotted space as soon as possible, you want to minimize the amount of pruning. But you, there is some pruning you have to do, but you don't want to do extra pruning. Uh, I, that's Lee Reich, who's the uh, author of The Ever-Curious Gardener, using a little natural science for a much better garden. Uh, I want to, We only have a, a couple of short minutes here, but... One of the things I want to get to is a myth that has been debunked uh, and is still being debunked every day, uh, much like the myth of double digging. Uh, but this is for potting plants. And you, I've, I've seen uh, Dr. Linda Chalker-Scott. She's mm-hmm. been on this show um, uh, several times. Uh, she talks about it. Other people talk about it. And it's the idea that you need to put gravel in the bottom of your pot uh, to help the drainage uh, in the bottom of the pot. Uh, and that has been debunked many times, but you, in this book, give the best explanation of it I have ever seen, which I really appreciated. Now, the problem is it does go on for like three or four pages, but you 
<laughs> you do it thoroughly. I mean, which is which is really what's important. You need to understand why. If you have, uh, for instance, that you mentioned that you know, if you put sand above clay, uh, there will be a water table uh, between the two. But if you put the clay above sand, it's the same thing's going to happen. And it has to do with capillary action, really more that well, you know, and which is a kind of physics. Uh, but it, it just it sort of explains to mm-hmm. me better than I'd ever seen about how that works. So, uh, is there anything you want to add to that, Lee? First, I want to say, Mike, you really did read it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's oh, my yeah. that's my job. <laughs> we, we we read all the books Some here, Lee. Are... So some boy, you read that part very thoroughly. Yeah, that 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 whole section was one of my pet peeves, and I'm I'm glad you liked it because it took a long time to really just try and put it in terms that that you know uh, would relate to to gardeners rather than physicists. And you do, but, uh, and that's the best yeah, part. So the, yeah. So uh, the whole thing is that when you have a, a change in uh, in uh, a drastic change in in structure. Uh, in porosity of the of the of the soil, and this actually relates not only to pots, also when, when you put. If you look at a lot of old gardening books, when they when they plant trees and say if the soil is poorly drained, or they would just want to increase drainage, people would bury in the soil at the bottom of the planting hole, you know, rubble or some you know coarse material, in the idea that this, just like in the bottom of a pot, allegedly, it would increase drainage. So what happens when you put? You know, it's sort of obvious if you put a sand. Say a very porous soil above. You know what I'm going to tell you right now, Lee. We're 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 flat out of time. So before, and I hate to interrupt that. Now I'm going to tell people pick up the book. They'll figure this out. Uh, (laughs) Give give me your website so people can go to your website. Okay, it's leerice.com. L e e r e i c h. dot com. And I want to mention that. And there's also go ahead. And also also uh, there's a link there to my blog which tells what's happening every week, week by week. Thank you. Did you grow an award-winning garden last year? Yes? But did you receive an award for it? No? Well, then you didn't enter the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards competition when 46 great gardens from 26 city wards were honored. But fear not, Chicago gardeners, we're doing it again this year, starting right now. And we want you to enter your garden. Go to chicagogardeningawards.org and fill out an application. It's free, and your garden might be recognized as one of the best in the city. We're looking for ornamental, vegetable, container, and specialized gardens, such as green roofs, walls, and rain gardens, community gardens, and new this year, urban farms. And did I mention it's free and presented in part by the Mike Novak Show, Natural Awakening Chicago, and some other pretty great organizations? Go to Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards on Facebook or chicagogardeningawards.org and get your garden in the game. This is Tree Keeper number 417, hydrated, loppers sharpened, and reporting that Openlands has Tree Keeper summer and fall courses in 2018. Tree Keepers are trained volunteers who advocate and care for nature's most majestic plants, trees, around the Chicago area. Trust me, you'll be glad you took the course. The summer course is Tuesdays and Thursdays in Arlington Heights. The fall course is Sundays and Thursdays at Wells Park in Chicago. To learn more, visit openlands.org slash treekeepers.
A good day's gardening can sometimes be a bad day for your muscles and joints. Dr. Bonnie Flaster is a chiropractor who uses gentle, non-force adjustments to relieve pain. With 29 years of experience, she relies on a variety of treatments, including low-level laser, acupuncture, and gentle chiropractic. Visit her at River North Wellness Center and find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. You're listening to Weekends on WCGO. Check out our Facebook live stream brought to you in part by our exclusive signage partner, Fast Signs of Lincolnwood. Located at 3450 West Devon Avenue, visit them on the web at fastsigns.com slash 80. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, one more thing about Lee Reich's book, The Ever-Curious Gardener, Using a Little Natural Science for a Much Better Garden. You can go to my website, MikeNovak.net, and find the link to it. Uh, it is published by New Society Publishers. By New Society Publishers. Uh, I wanted to get that out so Leslie uh, gets her, her props in, the PR person. you gotta, you got you to gotta <laughs> give the PR people their due. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. you just have to do that. And Leslie's been great to work with, so uh, thank you. She, yes, she has. Uh, and we're going to have Lee back. He's, uh, he knows a lot of stuff, and he's a very interesting guy, so uh, we will do that. All right, uh, we're uh, going to talk trees. Little shift in gears here. Uh, are we? Oh, and little camera adjustment. There we go. There we go. Now we've got Andrew <laughs> on the scene. All right, that's our <laughs> Facebook Live, and you can watch us on Facebook Live right now. You can listen to us streaming at mikenovak.net or at fifteen ninety wcgo dot com or on TuneIn or on TuneIn on, on a gazillion apps that are out there. Uh, there's all kinds of ways to do that. You can catch podcasts at mikenovak.net. They're also on iTunes. If you go to iTunes. Give, give us, us a like. Give us a like give on a iTunes, all right? Uh, please do that, if if you would. Shut up, Wesley. All right, sorry about that. Uh, and in the studio, right now, we're, we're pleased to have some folks that uh, we haven't had here before, and one of them is uh, Andrew Keppel, uh, Chicago Region District Manager for Save-A-Tree. And by the way, that's spelled S-A-V-A-T-R-E-E. It's all one word. Save a tree, and you can find that at my website. You'll you'll see the information, and there'll be a link there to save a tree. Uh, and Mike Provost, uh, certified master arborist with Save a Tree, and I think Mike, uh, we were talking off air, and uh, we've bumped into each other before because you were with a group called Autumn Tree Care, right? Uh, which is now part of Save a Tree, right? Right. Um, and and where do you uh, operate out of, uh, Mike? I'm out of the Northbrook office. Okay, <clears throat> so not that far. Away no, from not here. at all. So we want to make it easy for you to come to the studio, okay? Yeah. You're uh, out of the Northbrook, Illinois office, but you've got offices in, what, 13 states? Well, yeah. At least. We right? have we have offices across the entire country serving from the Denver market, Chicago, Minneapolis, Atlanta, and then all up and down the eastern seaboard from Boston down to Virginia. Excellent. Uh, and that means that folks can get tree care done, but it's not just tree care. You also do lawn care. Uh, one of the things I want to get into in a little bit is uh, uh, ticks mm-hmm. uh, yes. that I was kind of interested in a little surprised to see that on your menu of services. 
Um, how did how did that happen to get in there? So um, it started on on the East Coast where ticks and Lyme disease is a is a bigger problem than it had been here in the Midwest. And so we've had we've had a really good program in place for years there. Um, now it's becoming much more of a concern across the country. Mm-hmm. So we have we have a fantastic organic option actually that um, does an amazing job. Right up keeping, my alley. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, so it does an amazing job. Um, yeah, so it's it's a perfect solution. All right. Our phone number is 877-711-5611. We already have a call. Hang on just a sec. Oh, oh well, uh, we'll get to it in a second. I, I want to get to it. I Just before we uh, we do that, Randall, um, and, and we will get to our caller in, in just a second. Uh, I want to go back to Mike uh, and do qu- a quick overview uh, looking at the weather we've had this spring. And no two seasons are alike. Every season has weird weather uh so our weird weather this year has been a lot of rain locally uh cool spring um i've talked on this program about watching uh, a tree in my backyard uh, leaf out actually bloom out um a month later than it did last year a full month um and so this is the kind of thing we've seen but now we're seeing brutally hot weather and still a lot of moisture. So put that into perspective. What what kinds of problems are you seeing with trees in the area? Well, when, when you have extremes like that in short bursts, like you said, your tree a month later opening up. Mm-hmm. So now all of a sudden it has to catch up. You get these temperature extremes like today, just like you would feel if it if it's super hot. And then <laughs> I go into the air conditioning cold, right? though. That's what I do. <laughs> they can't, yeah. so they have to adapt. And the big thing with the water, we were fairly dry up until May, and then all of a sudden it really kicked in, and we've been constantly drenched over and over. And again. it was it was a dry winter, right. wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Right. And 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 that's one of the things that folks don't pay attention to. In the winter, it's cold. And aside from snow, and the meteorologists will give you, oh, yeah, we've had 30 inches of snow or whatever, but there isn't as much water in snow. So even if you have some snow, it's it's not going to add up to the same thing mm-hmm. as, as an inch rain. Um, so we were dry going into the winter and through the winter, so that affects trees as well, especially evergreens, doesn't it? Right, it, and things will dry out very quickly when you have extremes like we're having today with the heat. You can watch your flowers in a pot even it's rained it's rained i always get we've had so much rain do i have to water well it evaporates so when <laughs> when you yeah. have heat, when you have heat like this the evaporation rate is is fairly quick so people they don't pay attention to that mm-hmm. but now you're stressing a plant out even more by flooding and then drying and flooding and drying with the heat plants will shut down when it's really hot they don't want to move water through the plant itself so now you're seeing we're seeing a when, lot of, when it's when it's hot you're saying yeah they'll they'll close stomates they won't move the water through they have to protect themselves so you'll see right a lot because of this. I, I, yeah when you say stomates in, in the leaves right where transpiration takes place and the water leaves leaves the plant. out evaporates yeah, yeah. right they'll shut down for a while so you, we've we're seeing a lot of uh, odd looking trees they're off color they can't keep up chlorophyll wise with the growth they're putting on mm-hmm. so you get this limey, uh, not dark green look to the new growth. It takes a while to catch up because they're they're turning on and turning off constantly. And I know what folks ask at this point because I've been doing this radio show for 21 years, and I know the question they ask, they say, should I fertilize? And 
You're, and yeah, and he's shrugging his shoulders going, well, I don't know. And, and that's basically the answer right away is, I don't know. Let me check. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. Every every site is well, different. The, the point I'm making is yeah. that every, people out there have this idea that fertilization solves everything. Right. That if there's a problem, if the tree looks yellow, if the tree is drooping, if the tree whatever, uh, throw some fertilizer down and that'll everything, and that will really take care of it. Well, and fertilizer isn't it, people say fertilizer, but but fertilizer is a broad spectrum of different nutrients exactly, that you're going to yeah. be putting into the soil. So um, you can go to a garden center and get uh, one fertilizer, which may be very is likely very 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 different than something that we would put down. <laughs> well, they're going to get the blue stuff when when they they're asking, should I fertilize? They're asking. Should I get the blue stuff and put some blue stuff down? And I'm thinking, okay, how tall is your tree? I don't know, 50, 60 feet. Or so you're going to get gonna... some of those spikes and put them in yeah. the ground. <laughs> yeah, that's always it. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I, I had a friend of mine say once that he was checking a tree that had some spikes. He said, all the roots had like gone around the spikes. It's like they were avoiding the spikes. <laughs> it's like, okay, that More tells, garlic. tells you a little bit. <laughs> exactly. But, but that's not, there's not a catch-all answer. Trees are complex organisms, right, Mike? Right. And fertilizer, we'll go back to, if the conditions aren't right for that tree to be drawing fertilizer, whatever nutrient it is, out of the ground, it's not there as a miracle cure Ever. The -hmm. tree has to be able to take that in, utilize it, turn it into starches, carbohydrates, whatever it needs to be doing. When we have high water tables, the activity in the ground is changed. They they don't pull up nutrients the same way they would as if it wasn't flooded or if you have standing water. And the reason... As I understand it, is because there's not enough oxygen. Right. Roots need oxygen. You know, you've got to understand that you've got... If, if you've got uh, soil, uh, 45% of it is minerals, 5% of it's organic matter, give or take. Uh, 25% of it should be water, and 25% of it should be air, should be oxygen. Then everything's in harmony. Right, well, Andrew? It, well, and so when these things are changing, which is constant, so this happens every season. We don't have a normal spring mm-hmm. or a normal summer. Um, so we need to make adjustments on our end to what we're putting in the soil to provide nutrients for the plant based on current conditions. All right. Well, let's that in mind. So we know uh, everything's weird. Everything. Nothing's ever easy. <laughs> <laughs> let's take a garden question. Let's take a tree question. Let's go to the phone line. And that's David, right? Is uh, David, you're on the Mike Novak show with Peggy Malecki. Thank you for being patient. Thank you. Uh I posted on Facebook, uh, oh, a couple of weeks back, a photograph of some salvia in a pot. Over to the side of the photograph were some branches from a dogwood. And a very knowledgeable friend, uh, you probably know her, Nina Kojo, oh, yeah. uh, responded and said that uh, it looked like the tree was very slightly chlorotic. Is that something that I think I understand that that can't be reversed but is it something that can possibly be arrested if if it was truly chlorosis it can be corrected Uh, chlorosis is a signal given to you by the plant of a nutrient deficiency a lot of times in this area it's iron it could be manganese Mm -hmm. or it can be the soil profile isn't conducive to allow the plant to pull up the iron that's there anyway so there's a lot of things that come into play with that um i didn't see the picture so a lot of times uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. with chlorosis, the the veining, there's distinctive looks to leaves when we have chlorosis. So if uh, 
you know, you, I don't see a picture here anywhere. So trying to diagnose without an actual onset. Well, what, what else could it be if not chlorosis, if there's yellowing? It could be heat stress. It could be water stress. You know, is the plant in a saturated area? There's a lot of other things that would come into play on that, especially a dogwood around here. Could be verticillium wilt. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I had that issues. once. Uh, I mean, not me personally, <laughs> but... Uh, wow. Uh, That's uh, too much information. Uh, do you... Uh, <laughs> yeah. David, uh, any more information you can give us on that uh, that you think would be helpful? What's uh, What kind of dogwood do you know? Do you know the situation in which it's planted? Is it clay soil? Is it good draining soil? Do you have any more information? It's very... Uh, this is, I'm calling from Chicago. This is very sandy soil. Very sandy mm-hmm. soil. All right. And if it's, as you go on down, uh huh. Yeah, and and that tends to leach out nutrients. Right. If you got sand, I mean, the, there's there's good and bad about sandy soil. The good news is it drains really well. The bad news is it drains your nutrients as well. Clay soil is uh, can hold on to water and drown plants. On the other hand, it's very rich in nutrients. There's Again, it's hard to find the perfect soil. Hang on just a second, Dave. We're going to talk about this during the break, and maybe we have a little more information. Those of you watching on Facebook can listen to the conversation because it goes on there. Uh, We've got the folks from Save a Tree. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. This is Peggy, and I publish Natural Awakening Chicago magazine. And for the past eight years, we've been helping Chicagoans to lead healthier and more sustainable lives. Pick up a copy of Natural Awakenings each month and enjoy new information about health and wellness, local foods, raising healthy kids, helping our environment, and living a more sustainable life. Get your free copy of Natural Awakenings in more than 1,100 locations throughout city and suburbs or visit us at nachicago.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. Do you love trees? Do you have a great story to tell about a special tree in your life? The Morton Arboretum and Openlands have partnered to launch Tremendous Tree Stories, an online collection of stories highlighting people's connection to trees. Submit stories of the trees you cherish, remember from childhood, or that hold a special meaning for you. Browse the collection and consider sharing your own tree story by visiting tree-stories.org. Tree-stories.org. Being a meteorologist, you see things daily that can be related or not related to climate change. And then you separate that from the climate science and the social policy. So it's almost like teaching three classes. The meteorology, which is short-term, the climate, which is long-term, and then the policy, which is government, whether or not it's federal, state, or local. I'm meteorologist Rick DeMaio. Stick around for some more insight into weather and climate on WCGO 1590, Chicago's Smart Talk. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at Mike Now. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, mike at mikenovak.net. Speaking of the website, podcasts and blog posts are available every week at mikenovak.net. And while you're there, sign up for those posts and our newsletter on the homepage. And please support the sponsors who support us. Look for logos and specials at mikenovak.net. That sound you hear is my time machine letting me know it's time to return to our own world. This is your talk, WCGO. Hang on. Kiss for me, there's no 
Yeah, but they're caring for your trees, okay, yeah. and that's why we have... They need Save-A-Tree. The, the folks from Save-A-Tree. Uh, Andrew, I'm going to let you do a quick plug. How can folks get a hold of Save-A-Tree uh, if they have a tree care problem? Sure, absolutely. So the the easiest way is to go to our website, Savatree.com. That's S-A-V-A-T-R-E-E.com. And uh, there you can you can plug in your zip code and you'll be connected with the closest office to your area. It's geolocated, so if you're on your cell phone, it'll be the closest one to exactly where you are as well. Great. All right. Now let's wrap up our conversation with David. We were talking uh, during the break uh, over Facebook. Uh, which is still there, which is a reason you get the little bonus uh, when when you follow us there. Uh, what would you say, Mike, uh, that where we stand with David's tree? I think at this point um, <clears throat> we probably should do a soil test just to see where the pH is at. Uh, given the location that he mentioned to us, a lot of times it can be extremely high, and a dogwood usually likes a little more neutral p- pH as yeah. far as soil goes. Well, we have very high pH in this area. That's part of the thing folks should know uh, when they're gardening. Wherever they are in the country, it's really helpful to know the general pH of your area. In the Chicago area, it's high. It's alkaline. It's over 7.0. Uh, you can find a wide range here, but you're not going to find it under 7 generally. You want you want that? Go to Michigan, okay? And uh, and and you can and you can in parts of Indiana, I guess, and other parts. I mean, but right here, we we have very high pH. So as you say, the the dogwood might prefer to have a slightly lower pH. Right, a little more organic matter as well. Um, would be more than happy to. To perform that test for him. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, David, uh, this is the best we can yeah. do right now uh, on a radio show, and and obviously this is why you hire an arborist to come out and look. Uh, and I'm happy to say that uh, you already uh, have uh, Save a Tree on 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 your team, and so I think the next step is to do that soil test and and have them uh, take a look at that. So uh, we'll get back to you on that. All right. Okay, thanks a lot. Thanks for calling. I really appreciate it. Uh, again, our phone number is 877-711-5611. If uh, right now, in the next few minutes, you have a tree care question. Um, I actually do, unless there was something you well, wanted. I, I want to make sure we get to talking about ticks, too. Oh, that's true. All right, let's go, let's, let's go into the tick thing. And then, then my little tree care question for my stupid little hybrid elm and my parkway that gets anthracnose every year that's that will we'll, <laughs> Mike's, Mike's nodding yeah you've seen a lot of that at the spring haven't you quite a bit actually the the wet the heat fungal yeah. activity mm-hmm. on everything every species all over the place it's it's so not going to kill what the does tr- it look like it's it's it what happens is you get a a, a little uh, discoloration browning and yellowing of the leaves and it doesn't kill the tree but a lot of them fall off mm-hmm. uh and it's just messy it's nasty and it's weird because the city of chicago in its infinite wisdom put two trees in my parkway uh this was before i lived in the house so i came in moved into the house there's two trees there they're both hybrid elms they're slightly different hybrid elms one of them gets an anthracnose every year the other one does not and they're relative, and and the leaves are slightly different. One of them's a little bit large. The one that does not get it, the leaves are slightly larger. Um, it's just a better looking 
plant, a better-looking tree, the one that gets it, I want to girdle and just tell the tree, oh, look, the tree died. Oh, what a shame. We've got to get that out of here. Uh, but this is some of the things, these are some of the things that happen. Right. It's, again, with with the warm, humid, wet conditions, anthracnose, uh, tar spot, uh, there's so many fungal issues that normally we wouldn't see. And we should have mentioned, yeah, anthracnose is a fungal fungus. issue. Fungal yeah, disease, right. okay. Um, and it, I think it's important to mention that uh, usually when we're dealing with fungal diseases, uh, by the time we're seeing the symptoms, um, we're either right on the cusp of or too late to do a whole lot about it at right. that point. So we, it's important to be proactive in our approach to any sort of tree, shrub, and lawn care. So we're, we're taking care of these things beforehand. Um, again, an important reason to have an arborist, a professional out on, on your property. So we, we know those things. We know what trees get what, and we know how to preventatively and proactively approach the, the property. Here's a problem with the anthracnose, and I'm sure you guys would agree. The tree's probably 30 feet tall. Now, uh, I'm not going to spray it. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not interested in doing that. I, what I do is I just put up with it every year. The stuff falls down. I sweep it out of the way. Um, and then at some point it stops doing it, you know, and you, it gets through the rest of the year. Okay. And does it all over again next mm-hmm. year? And it's just frustrating. Cyclical. Yeah. And it's like, you know, getting apple scab, uh, on a crab apple tree. You can treat it. My advice with crab apples is, is one cut, you know, and, uh, that's a, a Jim Schuster thing. And, and, I think and season them for those, winter firewood. Some of you may know Jim Schuster from Illinois extension. That's, uh, I borrowed that from him, but basically Cut that sucker down and put one in that is resistant to diseases, uh, is what I say. And um, and, and an arborist can do that for you. I mean, they can treat it as well, but you're going to be treating it every year over and over again. And the disease-resistant varieties are so amazing now that the, you don't worry about that stuff. I don't. I've got a prairie fire in my backyard. Eh, i got to prune the sucker. It's too large for the spot. But it doesn't get disease. It's and it's beautiful in the spring, and the leaves coming out are red and they're beautiful. It's it's a lovely tree, right? And the thing I think I want to emphasize is you're not curing anything ever. This is going to be a constant issue when you have a fungal issue like that. It's not a one and done. You can't do yeah. one spray and be done with it. All right, let's get on to ticks because that's everybody's favorite topic, right? Yes. But well, tell us about the organic. Uh, and and Mike's pointing at Andrew. <laughs> Andrew, you talk about ticks. I don't want to talk about ticks. Um, you have what's your organic control of it? What do you what do you use? So essentially, what um, the we have an Omri certified um, care program for tick reduction and prevention. So just like anything, you can't you can't a hundred percent eradicate anything. But so we we come out and uh, it's a garlic based product actually. Um, that's part of it, and we'll treat the ecotone area around mm-hmm. a property. And I had never heard that phrase before. Had you, Peggy? Did you know no. about ecotone? I've, I've I've heard of the concept, but not that word. Yeah, I've never heard the word. And what is an ecotone? So it's it's basically where a a shrub bed or a where the forested area, which which may be you know on your property, may be different than against like a forest preserve. But where uh, the grass meets a uh, more forested area, and as you say, and I and I wrote this on my blog, according to published research, approximately ninety percent 
of deer ticks on a property will be found in the ecotone areas with less than 2% found in lawn areas. Exactly. But you don't mention how many, what percentage are in forested areas. I would imagine a lot also. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, but, of course, we, you don't usually have a forest in your backyard. Well, and we're also not likely going to treat an entire forest. Right. So okay. we're, trying to, we're, we're trying to prevent any sort of uh, ticks on kids, humans, all humans, I suppose, and uh, pets. That's, that's a big issue as well. So we're trying to keep them out of that area where people are going to be spending time. All right. So uh, I assume it's a fairly successful treatment. It's very successful. Like I said, we've been doing it a long time, um, <laughs> and, and it works really, really, really well. We've had great success. I mean, um, I think I think the statistic is around 300,000 cases of Lyme disease uh, per year um, that are, that are uh, yeah. put out there. And, exactly. And we're, C- we're CDC says 300,000. Yeah. And so that would be in the United States, and uh, that's not good because... It'll lay you low. Exactly. All right. I uh, want to thank you guys. We'll, we'll have to do this for a longer time. You know, it's, it's it hard flies to, by. It really does, doesn't <laughs> yes. it? Uh, and uh, the the folks from Save a Tree, Andrew Keppel and Mike Provost, thank you guys both for coming in. And folks want more information, you can go to Save a Tree on Facebook or SaveAtree.com. Exactly. Right? All right. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. More coming up. Stick around. Thanks, guys. Captain's log, stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wolf. Asparagus officinalis, or killer asparagus, was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Sound red alert. Shields up. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Allan Poe, author of my favorite children's stories. Captain, I am attempting to access a copy of the masterpiece. Hmm, it seems to be available online at AroundTheBlockPress.com. 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 Yes, Mr. Watt. Yes, Captain. AroundTheBlockPress.com. How many times can I say it? Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Call us with your questions and comments at 847-878. A new secure line has been opened for communication. 877-711-5611. Now please make enjoy for second hour capitalist radio. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy. Wealthy, wide awake, lettuce, tomatoes, root of bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. All Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Second hour, and I'm looking at uh, the Twitter distraction here. Oh, no, you're being distracted by Twitter. Uh, ah. Not me. Uh, Jan Dillon uh, tweeted. That uh, she says, we are listening. Uh, well, thanks. this is good. Yeah, I know. Well, I'll be honest with you. When people post on Facebook and Twitter, I have no idea whether they're listening to the show or they're just posting on Facebook and Twitter. Be, I, I assume people just, they go on there. No, like no, 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 okay. no, 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 I don't. I'm don't, just watching don't that microphone go no, down. No, 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 it's not going down. I'm doing this so I can actually read my computer <laughs> at the same time uh, that I'm doing. That's the problem. I bring the mic down and then it 
stays down. Uh, and she wrote, we're listening and would love to get this book. Thank you for your interesting content. Well, thank you, Jan Dillon. It's easy to get the book. You go to uh, MikeNovak.net, and uh, the link to The Ever-Curious Gardener is there. And I think you'll enjoy the book. Uh, I liked our conversation with Lee Reich, and um, we will do it again. Uh, yeah, you know, both both of our guests today in the first hour said, well, boy, that was fast. Uh, it is. Uh, unfortunately, radio goes very, very fast. Um, but we're happy to have them both on, and I think we'll have the Save mm-hmm. Tree folks back as well. Uh, so, Jan, thank you for for uh, distracting us on <laughs> on Twitter. All right, and I'll put this up and see if it's it's not going to stay. Yeah. So we won't even worry about it. Yesterday was interesting because, in addition to it to being, in addition to it being, what ninety four? What, what was our high yesterday? It wasn't even that high. It was like ninety four, ninety five. I'm not sure, and it was really weird because right at the lake, it dropped to the upper seventies. In the afternoon. Well, la di da. But if you went a block from the lake, it wasn't. It was uh-huh. right at the lake. Yeah, well. But it, yeah, I don't know. You know, it... and if I was in the lake and I was really cool and I don't understand what all the fuss was about. Okay, sorry. Uh, but downtown, it wa- it really wasn't that bad. No. There, there was the wind blowing and the, uh, the Chicago Fire Department. And we're talking about the march. Um, families belong together march. Hashtag mm-hmm. families belong together march. Uh and I was down there, and I did a little video of it, and I estimated 50,000, and I, I was right. And that's pretty much what we had. Apparently, it was the largest march in the country uh, yesterday. And I, and I meant to tell Lee Reich that I had his book with me. So whenever I had downtime, I was flipping through the book and, and reading the book. <laughs> um, so it made the march with me. Uh, but uh, all in all, they were handing out water bottles and keeping people hydrated. And there was the Chicago Fire Department had a misting station, which was so cool. Good for them. Um, and uh, it was a great atmosphere, friendly people, uh, considering how serious the, uh, the uh, event was uh, and the reason for the event. Uh, but uh, all went well, and so I was I was happy to be part of it. We got a couple of things coming up this week before we break, and then bring in our our, our garden walk, folks. Let's start with um, Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards, which is at its final week, folks. So if you haven't gotten registered, you need to go to chicagogardeningawards.org and register. And get your garden in the game, as they say. It's a perfect weekend. All you got to do is go out, take two photos of your garden, run back inside where it's cool, hopefully. Get on your computer. And and we're trying to break through the idea that uh, folks, when they hear the word excellence, well, it's all professionals and I, my garden won't qualify. Well, that's just silly. Stop being silly, stop okay? It, stop it, stop it. Really, really. Um, what we're interested in more than anything is heart. What we're interested in is a great story behind uh, a garden, uh, community gardens and urban farms and your backyard garden and your courtyard garden of your big building, your school garden, your church garden, your fire department garden, whatever it is. You, you got sh- great container gardens. Yeah. Uh, roof, senior, rooftop garden, senior center, community center, yeah, and and you should know there's not in some some don't have a lot of entries, so you might win a prize. Urban farms, urban farms, get some of those in there. Uh, so you've got till the seventh of July, which is next Saturday. Go to 
ChicagoGardeningAwards.org. And just put and, the link up on the show feed And for really, Facebook. don't be shy. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything. So what have you got to lose? A couple of people like me wandering in your garden and saying, <laughs> hey, this looks great. I wish my garden looked this good. And that's what I'll say to most people is I wish my garden looked as good as yours. So there you go. Uh, we're also going to be on with uh, Holly and Joey Baird in a week and a half. Well, and, almost and two weeks July from now. 14th, yeah. Um, so we're actually... You're, We'll talk real quickly. We're doing something on the 13th, and on the 14th, we're going on the road up to Milwaukee for the Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener radio show, joining Joey and Holly at 9 a.m. on WNOV, 860 a.m. out of Milwaukee, and 106.5 FM out of Milwaukee. As in Novak, but that's not yeah. how I spell it. That's going to be a lot of fun. WNOV. Yeah, we're going to go sit down with the, them in the studio. Yeah, they said stay for the whole hour. Wisconsin Vegetable Garden. Oh, boy. They don't know what they're asking. I know. The day before that, however, we're here in Chicago at Taste of Chicago. Um, Peggy and I are doing kind of a reprise to the, the the talk we did at the Chicago Flower and Garden Show because this event at Taste of Chicago is by the Chicago Flower and Garden Show. They have a garden there, the 811 Chicago Garden at the Taste. And uh, uh, we're going to do a thing called How to Answer Any Garden Question. Yep. We will teach you personally how to answer any darn garden question. Uh, and I don't even remember what time it is. 11? Something? 11.30, I believe. 11.30 at the Taste. So we'll have more we'll information up that on our Facebook page. All right, stick around. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Ego Salon. They use only the safest, most natural, professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color, perms, and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne Keratin Smoothing Products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at OrganicRootsEcoSalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty. You no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. Did you have an award-winning garden last year? Yes? Did you actually receive an award? No? Then you didn't enter the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards. We partied like it was 2017, which it sort of was. 46 great Chicago gardens and 26 wards were honored, and we're doing it again this year right now. Go to chicagogardeningawards.org and fill out an application. It's free, and your plot of paradise might be recognized as one of the best in the city. We're looking at ornamental, vegetable, container, and specialized gardens, such as green roofs, walls, and rain gardens, community gardens, and new this year, urban farms. Did I mention it's free and created in part by the Mike Novak Show, Natural Awakening Chicago, and some other pretty excellent organizations? Go to Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards on Facebook or chicagogardeningawards.org and get your garden in the game. Is that too aggressive? You're listening to Weekends on WCGO. Check out our Facebook live stream brought to you in part by our exclusive signage partner, Fast Signs of Lincolnwood. Located at 3450 West Devon Avenue, visit them on the web at fastsigns.com slash 80. 
Hi, this is Ron Calgan from Mighty House. We're on every Saturday from 7 to 10 a.m. right here live on 1590 WCGO. And we're having a bit of a Brazilian <laughs> fire drill in here uh, as we get all of our uh, our folks. Uh, we're just li- sambaing right into place here. Yeah. Which actually, the samba came in a little early. Oh, well, that, that happens too. <laughs> Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And very pleased to have in the studio a bunch of folks uh, because this is summer and it's Chicago, which means that you got to have a garden walk or two around. Um, nobody ever listens to me. I always, <laughs> I, I always say if I were going to do a garden walk, I would do it at the end of May. But that's me. Uh, because my garden never looks better than it does at the end of May, because it's still got bulbs going. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of spring ephemerals still happening, um, and in most garden walks, you never see those. They, you know, you don't see columbine, you don't see mm-hmm. uh, uh, Virginia bluebells, you don't see things like that. But nobody ever listens to Mike, what? so we're going to do what? the Ooh. garden walks in July. Uh, because I mean, even even my own gardening contest. Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards, which uh, we put together. I said, well, let's let's do the judging early for that. Nope. Can't happen. Nope. Got to be July. Nope. Because next year, somebody might be growing a cucumber. Uh, but that's the way. Sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, all, all I got to say about that is. Shut up, Wesley. Okay. There we go. <laughs> And welcome to the show, everyone. W- welcome to the show. But <laughs> Thank I feel, you very much. But I feel a lot better now, okay, because I said that. Uh-oh. You need to get through, Randall? Okay. Uh, Randall's uh, – uh, go ahead. Yep. Yeah, we're they're good, good to go? Okay. Little okay. sound check here. Yep. Okay, great. It's the stage crew. The stage crew is here uh, doing the sound check. Uh, Ellie, and at some point, I'm going to want you to come and grab my camera and take some photos, okay? That would be a good thing because we, we have all these folks here. In the studio with us from left to right, if you're watching, it's your right to left. Raise your hand. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Uh, Nina Gantz, there you go. And um, Mimi Winters, and they're with the Dearborn Garden Walk. And uh, they uh, it is celebrating its 60th. Yes, it's 60th <laughs> anniversary. All right. Definitely uh, worth a bell. <laughs> yeah, you get you get two a, bells. you get two dings there. Okay, you get Diamond you get a regular jubilee. ding and a beer ding. All right. Um, and what's interesting about it, and, and it is, is sort of an iconic walk in the city of Chicago. Back in the day, back when I was at Gargantua Radio down the dial, I actually judged some gardens. I don't think oh. you guys do that anymore, do you? No, no, we've set that aside. I think that's yeah. a good thing. <laughs> yes. Uh, you yes. know, it's, it's hard enough just to get people. To, to walk through their gardens and, and take a look. But I enjoyed that. I mean, it's mm-hmm. uh, we'll talk about more about that in a, in a second because uh, what makes the uh, Dearborn Garden unique, in addition to the fact that it's one of the oldest garden walks in the country. Uh, so welcome to the studio. Now, Thank on you. the other side, uh, going left to right and right to left, we have Meredith Flagstad. And is that how you pronounce your last name? How do you pronounce it? Flagstad. Okay, Flagstad. Just want to make sure, because some people have different things. And uh, uh, Olivia Belmonte. All right. 
Uh, you, you may speak, though. It is radio. Just let... <laughs> Good morning. Okay. Uh, and uh, they are the co-chairs of the Bucktown Garden Walk. And f- for many years, I used to tell this joke that, that Bucktown w- basically extended from Wisconsin to Kentucky. <laughs> and uh, it, it it was taking over the city. Everything Wait, that's Buckthorn. Uh, yeah. it, it could be. It for a while I felt like Bucktown was going to take over everything. But one of the things I discovered yesterday, actually Kathleen discovered this doing research. I'm not sure you guys have an actual neighborhood. No, we're just we're well. Don't tell the Bucktown people that they're very <laughs> the the boundaries are hotly contested. But we're kind of a neighborhood within different areas. Right. Yeah. Some uh, some of you or part of it is mm-hmm. is in Logan Square, part of it is in Wicker Park. Wicker Park or is that not even a, an official neighborhood? No, I don't know. I Wicker don't Park. Know. I don't know either. Mm-hmm. But neighborhoods are a, a sore spot of contention for a lot of people. Highly contentious. Highly yeah. contentious. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So people people but uh we'll get into that in a second so I want to introduce everybody and go back to our on the left side here, the Dearborn Garden Walk people and welcome um, and, uh, Nina, you're the, uh, the co-chair of, of the walk, right? Yes. Um, I joined the board, the NDA board, um, last year, but before that, my mother was on the NDA board. Oh. What, what I, is the NDA board? The North Dearborn Association. Okay. She actually so, knows the answer to that, yeah. but she was going to make awesome. you say it out loud. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So the July 15th, um, garden walk is our annual fundraiser. Uh-huh. And, um, I kind of inherited it. My Father's garden has been in the garden walk now for several years, about 10 years. And you can only get in through the alley. So it's definitely one of the private gardens. Well, that's one it's of all the containers. Things. Yeah. It's oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And he's not enjoying the last three days, I'm sure. Oh, well, he's, he does a lot of watering. <laughs> I know. Sure. And that's the problem with the container garden. You might water twice a day. Yeah. Especially yeah. when it's 95 degrees. But it's very peaceful. It's very. It's a nice little oasis. You wouldn't. You wouldn't know uh, if you looked down the alley that his garden was right. Well, there. when you say North Dearborn mm-hmm. Association and the the Dearborn Garden Walk, uh-huh. uh, what's the area that it covers? Mimi. Well, it goes from on the west side LaSalle, on the east side Astor. On the north I'm going to ask you to speak. Don't look at me. Don't worry about okay. making eye contact. Just <laughs> make hard. eye contact with the microphone. There okay. you go. Okay. Um, on the west side, it's LaSalle. On the east side, it's Astor. On the north side, it's North Avenue. And on, <clears throat> excuse me, on the south side, it's Division. And that's a, quite a big area. So we have a, <clears throat> excuse me, we have a trolley oh, that yeah. loops through the area. Ooh. Ooh. The trolley for the first time this year. We were talking about that in the, in the waiting room. You guys have a trolley, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh-oh, dueling trolleys. Uh, oh, and I should mention that... The Dearborn Garden Walk is the 15th, uh, which is a Sunday, two weeks from today. Uh, Bucktown, you guys do both days, 14th and 15th. Yes, uh, Saturday and Sunday. Right, that weekend. You can go from one to the other. In in fact, uh, commandeer the trolley and drive it into the wrong. (laughs) No. No, don't Drive it up to the studio on Sunday morning. Don't do that. Well, you can pick us up. Yeah, if you want, we'll we'll, we'll take the tour. Well, you could go on an architectural tour. The last one is starting at 5 o'clock. So you can Hmm. do the whole garden walk and then go on a, a little tour. Well, talk about all the uh, the things that come with uh, the garden walk. The architectural tour tour is one of them. And what mm-hmm. if folks are what are folks going to see on the architectural tour? Well, it is a <clears throat> it is a really fun tour, and I think you should talk about it because my voice is oh up and down, um, Dearborn. Um, 
primarily, yeah, all the way to division. Um, I haven't been on the tour because I'm always stuck <laughs> in my garden, but um, the docents that run it have lots of little stories uh, along the way about who lived in which buildings and stuff like that. So, And about movies that were... Movies that were filmed. Of filmed course. In that yeah. area. Yeah. It's, it's so picturesque. It's so unique that... Yeah. It, it's a wonderful thing to see. Yes, we also have um, live musician, live music, <laughs> living musicians playing music. <laughs> well, um, you, can, you, have, you, can, you, can, you can have your CD player or your MP3 or whatever. You right, need you can wear headphones. Yeah. And we have um, a number of gardening seminars that are free that are also taking place. Have you dragged in, in the, the Illinois Master Gardeners? Absolutely. They're yeah. very much a part of, of our support group. They have six people who are giving six separate seminars, and the seminars are always given more than once so that you can get to hear mm-hmm. these people mm-hmm. um, during the, the walk. Uh-huh. And I know about it because I'm a master gardener, and uh, you know I get the notices. It says, urgent, we need volunteers for the garden walk, this uh-huh. garden walk and that garden walk, or whatever we're going to, mm-hmm. they need volunteers for, which is all the time, because there's all kinds of stuff always going on. Um I want to talk a little bit. You mentioned uh, your your father's garden, and it's kind of tucked away. And that's uh-huh. kind of the the feeling of the Dearborn mm-hmm. Garden Walk. It's you don't think of it as it's out there in in normal backyards because a lot of them are surrounded by concrete uh-huh. uh, and buildings Gates, and, and alleys, galleys. Yeah. Right, and you and you walk in. So often you you enter a yard and you go, "Oh my goodness, I didn't know yeah. this was here." Yeah. And that's generally the feeling you get from the Dearborn Garden Walk. Yeah, yeah. The Bucktown's a lot more um, free flowing and and um, for public viewing, but ours are um, individual private gardens that have given us permission to mm-hmm. let people in. Um, we think, we think just Sunday as... from twelve to five. So. We think of it as the hidden gardens the hidden of the gardens. Gold Coast. These, these <laughs> well, old in homes. a truth, in yeah. truth, it is very, uh, to a yeah. great extent. Um, and uh, so, and these are places that you're not going to see any other time. And in fact, you're not even going to know are there most yeah, of the time. Yeah, yeah. And there are greeters there. Um, you have a guidebook, so you can take your time and visit places you want to um, for the whole five hours. Or you can. It's do, a self-guided tour. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. gonna be. So really you got fun. you got the little the little book, and then uh-huh. you just follow and uh, and if they don't let you in, it's uh, because I told <laughs> well, them I told them not to. Uh, no, no. <laughs> if you if you buy a ticket at uh, the our website or Eventbrite, DearbornGardenWalk.com, um, they're thirty dollars online in advance and thirty five at the door mm-hmm. uh, at the Latin School on North Avenue in Dearborn um, on the day of the walk. So you just get a wristband and you can. Get on and off the trolley. And, 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 and where and and now is the music in a central location, or do you have music in various locations? The music is individualistic gardens, and so we have wonderful musicians that will have a violin or a marimba or a bass or um, a cello, di- cello, and organized in, in different gardens. Along Can I bring my ukulele? Is is that and, all right? Please do. Okay. Oh, yes. And we have a banjo this year. That's Ooh, kind of cool. a fun thing. Yeah, our bookkeeper is doing the banjo. So they're only playing for a couple hours. We have some people playing the first two hours, some people playing the second uh, half of the, the walk. But yeah, there's a banjo. It might go well with your ukulele. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll do a duet. I uh, wish I owned a l- ukulele. Okay. Uh, you could bring that little frog thing you've got. Oh, I've got it in the box. Oh. I'll, I'll grab that whenever somebody else is talking. That We'll start that. Uh, again, give us the uh, where people can go for ticks. Well, 
one of the online places is Eventbrite, or you can go on the Dearborn Garden Walk website and it will link you to the DearbornGardenWalk.com? Uh-huh. That's right. Okay. That's right. Or you can buy them at the door, either way. Yeah, just except you have to know where the door is. The door is in the Latin School, which is on North Avenue. 45 um, West North Avenue. Exactly. Thank you. Yes. Okay. All right. Now we go to the other side of the room. Right. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. And we're they got to get a ding. Time. We got to I never gave them the ding before either. Okay. It's the Bucktown Garden Walk. Oh, that's ding. Right. Ding. <laughs> Uh, which may or may not be an official neighborhood. Um, but your story is different. It hasn't been around for 60 years. In fact, um, it was in danger of losing steam, and you guys kind of picked up the slack, didn't you? Yeah, so three years ago, we were both involved just being res- living in Bucktown, having gone on the Garden Walk. Um, I started putting our yard on the Garden Walk and started volunteering. You started your own Garden Walk. Everybody, just yeah. come to my No, I, d- I was on the Garden Walk. That's how I got involved, <laughs> and that was several years ago. And then about three years ago, um, the leadership that was running it and had been running it for about 10 years wanted to resign. They, they were, they wanted, they needed new mm-hmm. people they, to come in and help. And so it started off with a hand raise, like, oh, I'll help, but I don't want to be in charge. And so three years later, um, I'm running it. I roped in <laughs> my friend Olivia here, but she was also on the garden walk and we breathed new life into it to kind of elevate it, honor the legacy of what it had been for the decade before, and then tried to Make it bigger so more people would come to it and know about it mm-hmm. and be more welcoming to all types of families. And, and it's grown. It's, it's grown, grown from mm-hmm. being a garden walk. We about, have over we have over ninety gardens on the garden walk this year, both wow. public That's a lot. and yeah. private. That's great in a one square mile in Bucktown, which is mm-hmm. incredible and remarkable. And now we have a children's fest in the morning, Saturday and Sunday morning, and a block party. So ride the trolley around, take in the gardens. Come back to the Churchill Park off of Damon and eat from our food trucks, drink in our beer and rosé garden, enjoy some music. So it's grown from just being a garden walk. It, it, it absolutely has. It's, it, uh, it has a festival feel to it, um, much like the Sheffield Garden Walk, uh, Music Festival and Garden Walk. And, all right, and they're looking smaller, at much smaller, much smaller. <laughs> well, Not no. more Same community <laughs> feel. <laughs> well, but, we'll, but more from a big variety of yeah things for the kids, for the adults. Yeah, in the in that respect. But you're right; it's it's smaller, so it it has an intimate feel as mm-hmm. well. Still, right? Yeah, that was that's our big goal. I mean, we want it's our neighborhood's largest event and fundraiser, but we want the people that are participating as sponsors to be local, to be people that serve our community, that want to be connected with our residents. And we do really, we'll never take the gardens away from it because that's the focal point of the event. And we always say this is the weekend that Bucktown opens its doors to the city and everyone's welcome to come in. And there's everything from beautiful parkways, community edible gardens, there's private rooftops and um, really private courtyards with large garden murals that you would never see. So it's something for everyone. It's a really nice chance to walk around the neighborhood, adding the other elements just made it more of a whole weekend event so that everyone had something to do. Mm-hmm. You know, little kids can't do six hours of garden walking, but they can do two hours at a kid's fest and yes, then a couple can. hours mm-hmm. on the trolley and walking into people's, you know, patios and courtyards. And is there any fee involved? The guidebook is $10. It's a $10 don- suggested donation. Um, you can buy your guidebook at Churchill Park. Our headquarters are there right on Damon Avenue at the base of the 606. We also have two check-in points on Winchester Avenue, um, which is where we're holding our block party. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's something that's changed over the years, too. Uh, and just in the last few years, you've had the 606 added. Yeah. To, yes. as, and that's got to be 
an attraction too. It's it's a way that people can get there or they can view it while they're at the on the Garden Walk. It's another beautiful green space. So it really just adds to Bucktown being a a green community. Okay. How many in the room are gardeners? Okay. Uh, and there's the one, uh, maybe. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, 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 I might ask some, <laughs> some questions about your gardens, too, because you are, if, if these are garden walks, after mm-hmm. all. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Nina Gantz and Mimi Winters and Meredith Flagstad and Olivia Belmonte, all in studio from the Dearborn Garden Walk and the Bucktown Garden Walk. We've got more on the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki when we come back. Have you considered how your body may impact the environment and those left behind after you die? In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. According to the Green Burial Council, conventional burials result in the annual use of 77,000 trees and nearly 5 million gallons of embalming fluid containing cancer-causing chemicals. And one cremation uses as much energy as a 500-mile car trip and releases 250 pounds of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. There are many alternatives available now in the U.S. You can become a tree or even be part of rebuilding a coral reef. A green burial could be your last act of love for the earth. Do your homework for your family and talk about it now. I'm Green Diva Meg. Listen to over 500 Green Divas podcasts and learn lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green at thegreendivas.com. Whether it's March, July, September, or December, if you're a gardener, any time of year is perfect for a subscription to Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. It's the garden magazine for our region and one of the best gardening magazines in the country. Every issue features spectacular photos, articles by noted horticultural authorities, nursery owners, state extension agents, master gardeners, and more. There are columns like Ask the Garden Pros, regional reports, what to do in the garden, and even my column on the inside back page of every issue. I make up stuff and they pay me for it. Go figure. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines. On newsstands everywhere. But go to chicagolandgardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com. Or call 888-265-3600. 888-265-3600. Afternoons have never been smarter. 1590 WCGO. Smart Talk for the North Shore. Hey, Steve. Hey, Maria. How's hey, it going? Great. How are you? I'm very good. You know what? I'm enjoying these vegetables you oh, have here. Oh, hey, thanks. What, what store did you buy them at? I didn't buy them at a store. You didn't? You get them at a, like a This was a CD roulette, and I thought I would just try a song, and of course I got the one where they talk at the <laughs> beginning of it. in my backyard and in, <laughs> a, is... in a garden. What? Yeah. In your own backyard, these? Yes, in my oh. own backyard. This better get into music very like quick. Well, you can. Or, like it's, or it's just out of here. Would. Hey, I got a song about it. Oh, do you? It's about time. Wait. It goes like this. <laughs> Ready? No. Shovels. Dig, dig, dig a hole and plant, plant, plant a seed and water, water, water it and watch, watch, watch it grow some food for you and you and you and you and you and me. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to... Uh, in the neighborhood with Mr. Rogers, and uh, it's the Mike Novak show with Peggy Malecki. There's a whole variety on that. There's a whole variety. Okay. 
We'll get we'll get to I I will actually listen to them in advance next time <laughs> I, I do this. Uh, welcome back. We're talking garden walks today with a bunch of folks in the studio uh, from the Bucktown Garden Walk, from the Dearborn Garden Walk, and before we went to the break, I I asked people uh, about their own gardens if they they do garden. You mentioned. Uh, Nina, that uh, you grow uh, New Guinea impatiens. That's sort of what you do, right? Yes, I water them and a little bit of fertilizer, but they love containers. Uh, my father has a, an espalier. She has a, basically a big metal what, what, sculpture what, uh, that he yeah, puts the, containers of. But he has espaliers when you, you, you cut a plant into a shape like a, like a, uh, a fruit tree. Oh, okay. No, he has a, sorry. It's a shape. Okay. A topiary. Yeah. Yeah, he has a a metal thing in the <laughs> and his beautiful on the brick wall of the garage with a fountain underneath it, and then we put um, New Guinea patient pots, about eight of them, mm-hmm. um, in containers. I guess and, I should, and, and, and and they're and, very very happy. And New Guineas are cool. Uh, they're really actually great plants for for shade because they're very colorful. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of people back in the day, uh, I I I I've always been kind of an impatience snob. Um, because yeah, really, really <laughs> interesting. Go on. You know, I have a word for them. Gaudy. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, they are showy. They are yes. no gaudy. And oh. uh, I know. Am I rude or what? Uh, and then what happened about a decade ago is disease came Uh-oh. that sort of wiped out impatience, um, and people were told don't buy the regular impatience, uh, and I forget the the Latin name for them. Um, and I could look it up, but I'm not going to, um, uh, because I don't care. And, um, and, and so a lot of people yeah. stopped growing those impatience, but they went to New Guinea, but you couldn't get the New Guinea in flats the way you could the old, uh, oh. impatience. Well, yeah. He, Cause New Guinea are, they're a little more expensive. They're yeah, a little, he, little he gets them from Turks all the way out in Crystal Lake. I oh, think. really? Yeah. We, rent, why does he go out to Turks? Because that's, it's what, not Bill Turks. That's a different, no, uh, it's <laughs> Turks greenhouse. That's what he insists on doing. I take a day off of work. We rent a you know, large car. He gets his walker, and we <laughs> we go all the way out, and he handpicks them, and then they deliver them a week later. Okay, Mimi, what do you like to grow? You know, I we were talking about this earlier. I like to mix herbs and vegetables oh, and flowers, yeah. hmm. and it really can be an outstanding garden. One of the things that that I have done and that works really well is use um, curly parsley mm-hmm. as a border. No, it makes I like a, that idea. It is a beautiful border. Edible and border. At, and edible, you go out there and sniff. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> but combining um, flowers along with the vegetables and herbs really can enhance the whole garden, not only aesthetically, but it can help um, nurture. One plant can nurture another. Um, marigolds are wonderful with tomato plants. Because the I think the acidity of the marigolds. There's and, yeah. There's some question about whether marigold. A lot of people will plant marigolds uh, in their vegetable gardens. Um, the, they're great in salads. Yeah, uh, it's true. They they are edible, aren't they? Right, as are nasturtiums. Well, yep. nasturtiums, yes, yes, yeah. with a, definitely nasturtiums with a nice peppery taste. But but marigolds as well, and marigolds because of the the wonderful coloring. Yeah, really perk up. Salads. <laughs> uh, yes, they do. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, on this side of the room, what do you guys like to grow? So every year we take a different approach with my garden. I've got three little kids. That's Olivia, so, by the way. This, I'm Olivia. So we, 
my my seven year old decided we wanted to nurture a butterfly community. Yay. So we planted a lot of plants in our garden that were <laughs> butterfly friendly um, on our patio and then up on our roof deck. And we have a very small, I hesitate to call it a garden, but um, we grow tomatoes and edibles and things like that up on our roof deck, which is Are you going to be on always... the on the walk? Yes. Okay. Yes, we will be. All right. And uh, and Meredith? Our garden is started down below. We have a lower level that we use for entertaining. So it's we consider an, an extension of our living space. So that area is primarily ornamental. So it's a lot of pots, flowers, using to define the space. We have a we keep grass because we want it to be family friendly. The kids plant it, so all it's all bordered by lots of perennials and annuals. And then we use our rooftop, which is not on the walk. It's, it's there's no access, and it's not beautiful, but it's sort you of got, our. You got to climb a rope ladder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, we use that as same similar to Olivia. Our kids, the kids and I, get up there, and it's always an experiment every year. But we do lots of tomatoes and cucumbers, and help plant. They help us plant seeds for carrots, things like that. So we run. We have a lot of um, long. Con- planters that we use for that. So it's a mix of ornamental and edible garden for us. All right. And I would be remiss if I didn't hold up the, I don't know how well it's going to, it's going to wash out a little bit. I'm trying. (laughs) I think on this one, hold on. Diamond Jubilee. Let's see. It's just going to wash out. Wait, there we go. Now you can actually, oops, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to put it in front of your face, but uh, there's their poster. Nice. Uh, Can I invite Olivia to our um, seminar on attracting butterflies? And pollinators. Is it at the uh, the it, walk? It is. It's oh, just look at that, that first one right there. Oh, I love and it. And we have a monarch is... way station on our garden walk, actually. Oh. So there's a there's a woman that does Perfect. raises monarchs. Well, and now now has... you hand them material. Yeah, and it's we just, will. It's a kumbaya. Okay, yeah, sure between, between garden walks. Uh, all right. I uh, in the the few minutes we have left, uh, I would like to know some of the really special stuff that folks are going to see. Are you allowed to talk about the special stuff? Sure. Uh, um, so I'll let you guys start from the Dearborn Garden Walk. What what should folks? You know, you did you got the architectural tour, you got music, but the gardens themselves. Because uh, I remember when I went, I haven't been in probably fifteen years. Um, really, some really amazing stuff that that is there. So, what have you seen that you think folks should know about? Well, one of the fun things, of course, with with any garden walk, I think, is you see shade gardens, you see sun gardens. There's just such a vast variety that no matter what kind of a gardener you want to be or are uh, or what kinds of things you're interested in, you're going to see them on this garden walk. And we have gardening experts stationed around the the bend here uh, from the Master Gardeners Association that will answer your gardening questions as Yes, well. but, okay, yeah. that's a generality. Now, okay. specifically, what? Specifically, some wonderful, wonderful water features in some of these garage g- gardens. Some of the water features are very small and subtle, and some of them are major fountain kinds of things. Um, yeah, Dad's, uh, Dad's garden, he has a fountain that he made, um, had made for him in Italy just for his little garden Ooh, spot. Nice. And he didn't have Turk make it for him. No, no Turk, okay. did, yes, exactly. We've got special guys all over the world. Um, but it's just, mostly it's just delightful to see how people live in their private spaces. Yeah. Um, but the seminars are really nifty. You wanted something special. So we've got container gardening, house plants, hydroponic gardening, positive impact gardening, and three sisters gardening. So these are new and diverse. Oh, the three sisters. Yeah, that's yeah. that's uh, always of, interesting. Yeah. One of the things we didn't mention before, and I think we should, you know, the Gold Coast is 
typically a hard place to find a parking spot. Oh, yeah, okay. And so we have um, valet parking by Metropolitan Metropolitan Valet Service, and they discount it for us, so it's really And do you get it at the Latin School? Is that yes, the idea? Okay. Yes, All yes. right. All right. Bucktown, what, what, what's exciting out there? Well, the Bucktown Garden Walk, what we're excited about is just the vast number of gardens that we have on the walk. So 95 gardens, you see the range of city gardening. Um, there are. You did mention, you mentioned rooftops. You do there have are some rooftops. Roof- do you guys there... have any rooftops at Dearborn? Well, as a matter of fact, we have Latin schools rooftop ah, garden. Ah, well, there you go. Which but... is wonderful. Okay. We've got rooftops, you've got parkways, you've got container gardening. Water features, it is the range, the true range of city living and urban gardening. There are some really unique ones, I would say, that are worth looking at. There are people that have pools back there, which you don't know, you wouldn't see from the street. Um, there's a, a few of them that have really beautiful they, uh, murals. They hired street artists in Chicago to come into murals on the back what? of their garages. Oh, okay. So that's I was cool. going to ask where uh, where they did the murals. They did them on. They've got the court, the interior yard mm-hmm. there. Um, they've done the back of their garages. There is. One house that has a beautiful chicken coop, which is behind this really nice house, and you don't know that they're there, and you get to walk back and go see how they make that work in their yard. Would you, how many of the gardens would you say have chicken coop, chickens or other? This year? Oh, other. How many of the gardens are private? Well, no, 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 no. Actually, the, the chickens or other farm animals. Probably just chickens, I would guess. Chickens. We used to have more. I think this year not, not very many co- cows back there, I'm sure. <laughs> One, Unless the, the name is O'Leary, but uh, yeah. <laughs> oh. I think we have one with chickens this year. We used to have more, but they sometimes get kicked out of the neighborhood. Um, we do have. There is a petting zoo actually that goes on the garden walk. So if you want to see farm animals, you can come. Oh, and well, there you the go. There's zoo she, at Lottie's. We got your farm animals too. <laughs> right there. Uh, that was a cul-de-sac. I shouldn't have gone down that one. Uh, uh, so there we have it. And again, yours is two days. Yes. Um, Gardens are open 11 to 5 on July 14th and July 15th. Our headquarters are open from 10 to 6. Kids Fest in the morning, block party all day. So stop in, go to Gardens, come back, have a drink, head back out. You can Your guidebook for $10 works for both days to get you into um, all the Gardens. Which block is the block party? It's right next to Churchill Park, which is 1825 North Damon Avenue. Um, the block party is on the adjacent Winchester Avenue. It is closed, mm-hmm. and we take over the whole park space. With- so even if you don't want to see a garden, you just hang out in the block party. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. Get, I like what you said. Put the kids in the children's activities. Go to the block party and hang out. You know, like, yeah. that's what we call the Rose Garden. So <laughs> <a> garden. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. And the Dearborn, of course, is on the fifteenth. It's the sixtieth annual. Uh, one of the oldest in in the entire country. It's sort of iconic in Chicago. And if folks want to uh, get involved in that and they want to see that, again, they go to the Dearborn. Sorry, the Garden Walk. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. I know you got to lean into the mic. I'm sorry about that. DearbornGardenWalk.com. DearbornGardenWalk.com. That's all you need to know. And there's seminars uh, in both and and uh, wonderful and, gardens and music and kids events and trolleys. Trolleys. And... Holy smoke! So I'm I'm glad you guys are doing them uh, uh, the same week. It's it's going to be buzzing with activity in Chicago. Thank you all for coming to the studio. Meredith Flagstad, Olivia Belmonte, Nina Gantz, and Mimi Winters. Uh, appreciate you taking the time to come to the studio and talk about your gardens. Okay, Mr. DeMaio, Rick DeMaio, meteorologist, talking heat spells and stuff like that on the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Next! From boat to doorstep. 
you can have the best in premium and sustainable Alaskan seafood right here in the Midwest. Sitka Salmon Shares is an Alaskan community-supported fishery, or CSF, comprised of small boat family fishermen from southeast Alaska. They're supported by 4,000 CSF members, and you can be one, too. Sign up at SitkaSalmonShares.com to receive fresh Alaska salmon, whitefish, and more in shares ranging from three to nine months. Use promo code MikeNovak18 for $25 off. Go to SitkaSalmonShares.com. From Wisconsin to Indiana, from Lake Michigan to St. Charles, see some of the best gardens, ponds, and koi in the area on the Midwest Pond and Koi Society Annual Garden and Pond Tour, July 21st and 22nd and 28th and 29th. Get your maps for the self-guided tour at mpks.org and at local businesses throughout Chicagoland. It's only $15, and tour hours are 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. on each day. Get inspiration for your own garden and pond. Go to mpks.org. One of McHenry County's premier sustainability events is coming up, and now's the time to sign up. If your business offers products or services that are eco-friendly, healthy, locally produced, or energy efficient, McHenry County College wants you to join them as an exhibitor at its 11th annual Green Living Expo. The event takes place in November, but registration for vendor and artist space is now open. This year's expo will be bigger than ever. The popular Artist Walk returns, featuring sustainable artwork, jewelry, and decorative items. And if your business offers eco-friendly holiday gifts, being a vendor is the perfect head start to the season. Last year's event attracted more than 1,100 visitors. Peggy and I were there and I bowled pumpkins for compost. It's a fun way to interact with the green community. Register today for the McHenry County College Green Living Expo. Call 815-479-7765 or email sustainability at mchenry.edu. Your talk. This is your talk. Only on 1590. Your talk. WCGO Evanston, Chicago. Okay, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Thank you, Stray Cats. Uh, Peggy Malecki. Yeah, you know we've had a lot, a lot of high energy stuff, except for that song I stumbled into. I know it's not. Peggy's looking at me like, don't blame me for that. And you're right. I was doing a little. Sometimes you do CD roulette, and you just see whatever song well, is. Well, there going. are some cool songs on there. Uh, okay, CD. and I will listen. I was just hoping I would get one, and I guessed completely wrong. All right, let's go to the phone. Bring in meteorologist Rick DeMaio. And, Rick, uh, all I got to say to you is, what the heck, man, okay? <laughs> thank thank God for Freon, right? Yeah, uh, I'm glad we weren't at Medewin yesterday. Yeah, we saw the uh, stuff you sent us this morning with the heat index in Medewin National Tallgrass Prairie of 116 degrees. That's nuts. Yeah, yeah, that's all due to that corn sweat, Mike and Peg, that you know we talk quite a bit about. And, boy, when you get um, nearly a foot and a half of rain, uh, in basically six to eight weeks, and then you have a couple of days of hot, windy weather, um, that'll do it. And, and it was interesting, if you remember what Friday looked like, we were completely clear. Uh, there was no clouds across here. We got up to about 95 or 96. But that little bit of cloud cover that we had yesterday 
was actually able to release some of that heat higher mm-hmm. up into the air, and that's one of the reasons why temperatures yesterday uh, were a couple of degrees lower. I know it's not that big of a deal, but these are some of the things that meteorologists look at for these extreme events. You know, what will push you from 95 to 98, and what will get you from 95 down to 93? And I know it doesn't sound like a big deal, but trust me, there's a huge deal between 93 and 98. And thankfully, mm-hmm. we stayed in the low to the 90s yesterday. Although, otherwise, that 116 would have been more like a 123 or 125. Wow. And and I was downtown at the march. And I have to admit, at the time, I was aware. I, I looked up. I felt uh, it was a little cooler than I thought it was going to be. And I saw clouds. And I thought, okay. Yeah, there, was a little, there was a little bit of a lake breeze that actually kicked in during that time. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I thought, okay, this is going to mitigate it somewhat, and it did. Uh, now, now I'm kind of curious about something you just said, which is I understand uh, why a temperature will go from 95 to 93. You get some clouds, you get some wind. What will boost the temperature from 95 to 98? Well, what happens is what meteorologists look at the bottom, like three to 4,000 feet of the atmosphere. That's where most of your heat not only from the sun, but also re-radiating, re-radiating back off the surface of the earth, particularly the urban heat island, basically gets trapped. If you're able to develop some sort of mixing from about three to 4,000 feet up to about seven to 8,000 feet, what essentially you're doing is you're taking all that warm air that's kind of stuck near the surface, and now you vertically transport it up into the top part of what we call the boundary layer. And what you saw yesterday was that actually happening, which is when you saw those cumulus clouds begin to develop. So what you did was you took all the heat that was trapped in the lower 3,000 feet, and now you extended it through a column that's about 8,000 feet tall. So you still have the same amount of heat, but now you have it through a much larger section. And because you do, you can't stay that warm at the surface. So typically, whenever you see a sky that's completely free of clouds, it doesn't mean that it's not humid. It just means that you don't have any vertical transport off the surface. And typically when that happens, you stay much, much hotter uh, near the surface. And again, something like what happened on Friday, not Friday, uh, yeah, on Friday when we were completely clear, it actually felt a little bit hotter uh, between about 1 and about 4 o'clock in the afternoon as opposed to what it did on Saturday. Now, some people say, Rick, you're crazy. The heat has gotten to you. Don't you realize it was just as hot? Actually, it wasn't. It was actually a few degrees cooler, and that's one of the reasons why uh, the heat index values were actually three to five, if not six to seven degrees lower. And trust me, on the days when it's 98 degrees, you'll go, boy, it feels hotter than it did yesterday. And again, that's all about the extreme events. You know, what happens from a standpoint of a heat index of 105 for four or five hours, as opposed to 110 for eight to 12 hours, that's what we had back in 1995, when it never really cooled off until like almost after midnight. Mm. Uh, I saw something the other day, you're not going to believe this, I saw something on the Weather Channel that did not irritate me. Uh, what? Okay. Y- yeah. And it was an explanation. <laughs> it was an explanation of how the heat's gotten to you. I know it must have. Uh, it was about the heat and the dome and the dome and the high pressure over an area. And one of the guys, uh-huh. one of the guys there, described uh, how that works and 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 why it 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 creates heat. And he said, "I don't think of it as a circuit." Well, he said it's it's like a circular pattern. He said, "But I like to think of it as screwing a cap." down into the ground so you're taking that high pressure area right. and it's like you're screwing right. that down into the ground and that's why right. you get that 
that heat, and you get the dome there. And I thought yeah, that's a pretty good yeah. way to explain it. Yeah, and what essentially what you do is you create a cap. So, mm-hmm. so it almost is, it, it's, it's almost too warm between about six and about 10,000 feet for the vertical transport of air off the ground to keep going. So in other words, even though warm air rises, if warm air rises into a column where it's just as warm as above, you're not going to continue to rise. So what happens is that air starts to rise, it doesn't go anywhere, and it, be, and it begins to sink. So what you have is what's called this positive feedback, which the warm air is at the ground, tries to rise, it can't, so it goes back down. You literally limit the ability to have clouds, but you also increase the ability to have more sunshine, and that little bit of sunshine can sometimes add temperatures, you know, two or three degrees um, onto your daily max. We saw that a lot during the heat wave of 1988, when we had temperatures well above 90, even more so above 100 because mm-hmm. the atmosphere was so dry. But it was interesting. During 1988, we didn't have the heat index values that we had in 95. 95, if you recall, was a much more humid event. And this is literally what's beginning to happen from 1995. The only thing that's different about this summer from 1995 is we still have a very, very strong jet stream basically right along the U.S. Canadian border. And that's going to be responsible for bringing in these little shots of cool air every two to three weeks. And we have one of those coming through later on this afternoon. Uh, and uh, uh, I guess the question I would ask you is, is this, we know it's going to break, and you're going to tell us about that in a, in a second. Are we going to, but I see that it builds back up next week. So are we in that kind of a pattern where it's going to be hot for a yeah. while? <laughs> yeah, very, very much so. Even, even though it breaks for like about a day and a half, we'll mm-hmm. get right back in it for Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. But what's interesting about when it breaks, it breaks with a lot of rain, and that rain and cloud cover actually keeps the temperature from rising too much. So even though we'll probably get back in the low 90s for Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, the heat breaks again for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday next week. And even though the lakes have warmed up quite a bit, I know Peg was in the lake yesterday. I was in the lake yesterday. I'm actually down at the lakefront now. going to go for a swim when I'm done with you guys. The lake water <laughs> temperature is already up. Seriously, I'm on my bike, and I got my bin suit on. Our lake water temperatures are already up to 67 degrees at the mid-lake buoy. That's a phenomenal wow. increase. Again, that that's huge, only yeah. near the surface. What's that, take? That was a huge jump in a couple of oh, weeks. Oh, yeah, yeah, tremendous. And, in fact, if you dive into the water and go down about, say, 8 to 10 feet, it's still probably yeah. in the lower 50s. It's pretty cold. Uh, yeah. But, again, as long as, as, long as we can get um, these little shots of cool air coming in, not only does it get hot and humid, but boy, the pattern stays very, very wet, guys, for the next three to four weeks. All right. Well, a lot of rain more. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, let's do that forecast real quick here. Okay. So, uh, thunderstorms developing this afternoon at about three or four o'clock. They'll be out of here by about seven, possible one to two inches with some severe weather. Uh-oh. Dry tomorrow and then back to warmth during the day on Tuesday. More wet weather Wednesday and Thursday. And then Friday, Saturday, and Sunday next week look great. All right. Thank you, Mr. DeMaio. Go go dip in the lake. I will. I'll make sure I take my phone out of my shirt before I do something. <laughs> okay. Take care. All right. We want to thank everybody who was on the show today uh, from Save a Tree, Lee Reich, from the Bucktown, and the Dearborn Garden Walks. Until next time, go green or go home. Uh, what? Is that it? Yes. It's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.